0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host. And today we are back for a part two with Dave Gooden. If you haven't checked out part one, definitely go do that first. Without further ado, we're going to get right into the episode. Enjoy. Now, of course, you mentioned that you naturally were someone who just trained hard, given your history, right, as a track athlete, and maybe personality wise, too. I think that's a big thing. But how much of that do you think matters? Because You know, I think there's like, it's for me, what I've experienced, it's like a combination of things, of course, when it comes to training from the training standpoint, of course you have the nutrition, but we're sticking to training. I can train to failure, but if I'm not adding some sort of progression there via whether it be load or reps or trying to increase over time, over multiple workouts, I can train to failure all, all I want. But if I'm, and again, if you're not getting the recovery, like if you're, if you're training to failure, but loads are going down because you're not recovered then how important is training to failure for muscle growth at that point i don't think it's right. the th- i don't think it's necessarily the thing but what's your input on that like were you focused on adding load over time reps over time from workout to workout was that important to you
1: yeah w- one of the things that i recommend to people and i even I-, I think i wrote a a column on this for ironman magazine is keeping a training log of you know recording everything in terms of your your weights, your sets, your reps, blah, blah, blah. And a couple of ways of using that, and I use it for motivation, is I would look back, let's say I'm training chest. And I look back at the previous week and see how many reps I did at a given weight. And even if I could get one or two more reps, one or two, three more reps in the entire chest workout, that was progress. Or go up in weight and try to match the reps. That was a tool that I used throughout my my career is keeping those training logs. And the other way that I used it was, you know, I had these major setbacks like the, you know, the bicep tendon rupture and the hamstring tendon rupture, you know, and I'm working my way back. I could look back six months or a year previous and go, okay, here I am now. Here's where I was. And am I getting back to full strength and use the my training logs that way? And, and so I I think the training log is an extremely, extremely important tool for bodybuilding.
0: Let's get an example for the listeners. Like, let's say you were doing, I don't know, flat dumbbell press. That's your first chest exercise. Just an example, right? Did you have like a rep range? And then when you hit the top of that rep range, you'd add load and go to the bottom of that rep range. Was that like a typical progression you do? Like, how did you typically do this?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have a, a rep range that I wanted to hit. And let's say as, say as I'm, you know, I do my warm-up sets and I'm I'm working on my heart sets, I'm working my way up. And let's say my my goal was 10 reps at a given weight, and I get 10 relatively easily, then at that point I would either, you know, on on the sets where I'm going to failure, I would either go for more reps or I'd add weight. You know, I tell my clients, I got a rule of thumb when they say, you know, when do you know when to add weight? Well, when you're what you're doing in your rep range when it gets easy add weight make it harder again
0: (laughs) right right it's pretty simple in that regard yeah 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 okay great and what were some of the strength feats like features that you possess personally like let's say um let's pick a body part i don't know for chest for example what what was like your staple chest exercise bench press
1: barbell
0: barbell bench press okay so what were the some of the numbers you were throwing up
1: okay so when, when i throw numbers out i I throw numbers out that I hit when I was powerlifting. Okay. Uh, and so my best bench press, uh, one rep bench press was uh, 342. That's with the pause.
0: When you were doing it for bodybuilding purposes, what were within like, let's say the, I was assume it would be what within the six to 10 rep range you would stick within, or were you sometimes tapping into lower rep ranges, even when your goal was not powerlifting at the time?
1: Uh, well, I, I would never go under six reps if I wasn't preparing for a a powerlifting meet. Okay. But we we were having a, a little bench press contest at the gym one time and it was bench pressing your weight for reps. So they, they kind of rounded up on your weight. And I bench pressed 185 for 27 reps in that contest. Wow. And that was when I, that was when I was about 50 years old and and so all the young guys were pissed off that I was, that I won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's, and,
0: uh, and the, that's the, the,
1: the previous for, year we had a, we had a, a bench press deadlift meet at the gym and, uh, and I won that too. <laughs> that's awesome. But it was just that's for the, you know, one, one rep max.
0: Right. That's the fun thing about natural bodybuilding. I think is that as you're getting older, I mean, there is obviously a point where it starts to decline, but, it's not at the point where most would think like, like you mentioned, like even in your fifties, you were, you were oh, doing absolutely. some impressive stuff, right? Yeah. And, and of course you have guys like Marshall Johnson in their sixties still competing and it's it's amazing. So with regards to nutrition, let's maybe just tap into a little bit there when you were focusing on muscle growth, we'll stick to that in simple terms, how were you typically doing things? Were you tracking, were you still tracking your macros and calories were you big into that or
1: usually off season i i didn't track my nutrition i was very cognizant of, of how much protein i was taking in but i'll, I'll tell you this story because it was it was kind of funny back in the mid 80s uh are you familiar with john Perillo? the name rings a bell actually he was pimping mct oils back then and he he had a group of Really top IFBB pros that he was coaching, so he was writing these these articles for the magazines, you know, talking about how he had his guys eating eight to ten thousand calories a day in the off season, and you know five to six thousand calories a day during contest prep. So you know, I keep reading these articles over and over. Maybe there's something to it. And so one year in the off season, I was force feeding myself. I was eating five big meals a day. For dinner, I would eat a pound of hamburger. <laughs> oh wow. And so I was competing at that time. I was a lightweight in the NPC, you know, competing at 154 pounds. And I got up to 185. And I'm walking around like, oh, I'm huge. I'm huge. <laughs> By the time I died and back down in contest shape, I was only one pound heavier. <laughs> wow. I was like, what a waste of money and time. <laughs> and so after that, you know, my philosophy was to t- stay within you know try to stay within eight to 12 pounds of contest shape in the off season and that served me much much better than you know doing this bulking i i hate that term bulking mm. uh cutting you, you you gotta cut you know because you you can't stay in contest shape all the time at my best i got down to on uh my skin dust calipers i was 2.3 percent. oh wow and,
0: and you were what weight were you at that time One seventy.
1: About 170, yeah. About 170.
0: You know, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead. You had a thought?
1: When people ask me about bulking, it's like, no, don't think of it as bulking. Think of it as relaxing your diet a little bit, <laughs> being able to eat more carbs, but don't let it get out of control. You don't have to get fat to put on muscle.
0: So would you say that you actually were able to put on muscle more effectively by staying about 12 pounds away from stage? Yes. Wow, that's really cool. That's uh, and really encouraging too, because people yeah, think that well, they, it's know, encouraging. It is, it really
1: is. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, part of it is when you do start your contest dieting, you start your cutting phase, it's much easier to maintain all that muscle that you gained if you don't have to diet as hard as if you got fat, like I did that year. So to, to retain the muscle you gain, you know, if you only have 10 pounds to lose in 12 weeks you can retain all the muscle that you gained in the off season. If you got say 30, 40 pounds to lose, you're going to have to do a lot more cardio. You're going to have to be more restrictive on your diet in order to get back into contest shape. And you're going to lose muscle. It's just happens. It's unavoidable.
0: Now I don't know how your experience was with this, but the only time I saw a real benefit from like really putting on a lot of weight was when I was like 120 pounds soaking wet. When I first started bodybuilding, And I bulked up to like, I think it was like 180 or something like this, like ridiculous. But but to be fair, yeah, maybe I didn't have to get up that high. And that was over the course of like two years. And that was the only time I ever felt that I experienced benefit from quote unquote bulking, i.e. a massive surplus, or I wouldn't say massive surplus, just, I guess, being a bit more relaxed than I would now with it, right? Where I... I do tend to stay a lot leaner than other bodybuilders would advise. Like, there's like two camps with it, right? Some say you have to, especially as at, you're more at, advanced. But
1: at, at what age?
0: I was only like 18. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So I was really young. So yeah, you you st-
1: you were still in growth phase.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that that's what I was going to ask you. Was it similar for you at that age? Did you have that experience personally, or was yours more gradual?
1: Well. You know, like I said, I didn't get into actual bodybuilding-style training until after I got out of college. I was real little as a kid. When I was a freshman in high school, I, did my, I remember doing my football physical. I was like 5'4", weighed 115 pounds. And so I was a little wiry kid. So my dad was in the Air Force at that time. And so in the wintertime, you know, I decided I want to try to get bigger, stronger. And so I had a pair, I think I had a pair of 20 pound dumbbells at the house. So what I did was every morning and every night, I would do two sets of failure of dumbbell curls and overhead presses. So I I would do them every night before I went to bed and I would get pumped up before I went to school every morning. (laughs) And so I did this for three months. And then uh, I went to the base gym three times a week. They had a, a universal weight machine. And so I would. I would do everything on, on the weight machine. And in three months, I gained 15 pounds and added three inches to my arms. And uh, so I went from, you know, 115 to 130. I was a huge baseball player at that time. Baseball season started up. And so I quit lifting at that that juncture. I, I wish I would have kept it up at that time, at that age. And then when, when I was in high school, you know, we had a universal sh- uh, gym in our, our field house. We didn't have any free weights. We didn't lift weights for athletics. Because in the mid 70s, coaches still thought that uh, lifting weights would make you muscle bound and slower. You know, so I, I lifted on the machines uh, a little on my own as a team. We, we did not lift weights. And, and so I didn't really get into bodybuilding style weight training until after I got out of college and, and joined a gym to stay in shape.
0: What about your cardio when you were prepping for contests? What's your take on high intensity interval training versus low intensity steady state? Were you Did you experiment with both?
1: yes for the most part i did steady state but i would walk outside or uh i have a life cycle that i've had since 1988 <laughs> so you know i'd get up in the morning have a cup of coffee pop a couple of thermogenics and and hop on my life cycle before i went to week, work before because it was dark outside and then otherwise i, I would walk outside and uh, we we had this walk that the, the guys at the gym named it the shredder walk from where my gym was hyde park gym in austin to the University of Texas campus, two miles. And so I walked down to campus and then on campus, there was eight story parking garage. And so we would run up the stairs, eight stories, back down about another block to the stadium. It was 11 stories of ramps. And so we'd, we'd walk up the ramps, back down, back to the parking garage, do eight stories, eight flights of stairs again. And then it was kind of an uphill back to the gym. That would usually take anywhere, depending on how hot it was outside, an hour and 10 to an hour and 20 minutes.
0: Okay. Nice. Doing high intensity interval interval training will take a lot out of your recovery, which could take a lot out of your weight training sessions, right? So Exactly. Right. Was that the thought process exactly. there?
1: That, yeah, that that's that's why I preferred steady state, but I guess it was probably the last year that I competed when I was doing men's physique. I was super loaded with clients and I didn't have as much time for my cardio. So I was doing a you know, high intensity intervals on the bike. And mm. and it worked out pretty well. But then again, you know, wearing the board shorts, my legs didn't have to be as big as what I would want them for bodybuilding.
0: Yeah, that's right. You're they're covered up. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know what I'm, I'm curious about, have you, did you experiment with training body parts, re- like religiously, at least for a certain period of time, training body parts two times per week? Oh, not just well, not just lagging, not just lagging body parts, but like, for example, full body workouts or
1: a full body workouts.
0: That's just an example or upper, upper, lower, upper, lower kind of thing where everything gets hit twice per week. Did you experiment with that at all?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, let's see, it's a three. So for 10 years, you know, I, I would hit body parts twice a week. And like I said, my progress had, you know, slowed so down. To a crawl. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: That was the five day week, uh, five six day split, right? Five or six right. day split. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, so what did that look like? Just
1: curious. Well, like on the six day split, I I think I got it out of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding.
0: Right, right, right. That's right. So you like chest, back, shoulders, arms, legs. three uh, Like,
1: yeah, 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 like that. And in the year that uh, in '94, you know, when I got smoked at the World champ- WMBF World Championships the first thing i did as i came home and i thought well i got to i got to switch things up the first thing i did was i went to uh, a 4 day split where i would work legs and back on monday chest shoulders and arms on tuesday and then repeat on thursday and friday but uh, after a month of doing that my my joints hurt so bad that i was like no this isn't it this isn't the this is not the solution. The I got I got to do something different. That's when I went to the three day split.
0: Ah, that's a very old school split. That one. The, the, oh, so yeah, Lexib- yeah. That like I'm thinking like some of the bodybuilders, like in the 60s and 70s were doing that in off offseason. Right. But they were enhanced. A lot of them.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know, that that makes so much difference when you're you're taking the bodybuilding drugs, you can recover so much faster. Yes, And, you know, I I think that's probably the biggest part of the benefit is you recover so much better and faster and you can do more volume. You can train more frequency. But, you know, as as a drug free bodybuilder, I mean, you're limited.
0: Right. Right. That makes sense. And uh, I've had my fair share of experiences with that as well. When you try to get ambitious and you start doing things out of the golden era, or silver era even. Uh, well, to be fair, the silver era with like Steve Reeves, they, I mean, yeah, they were recommending full body workouts. And then again, yeah, even that was re- like ridiculous. It's like three I took like three hours long with the amount of volume some of these guys were doing. It was insane. Whether they were natural or not, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was just a different time, different. I'm not sure what it is. But to survive three hour full body workouts, even three days per week, that's not for me. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. So speaking of the golden era, I, w- I was friends with Dave Draper. What a great guy. And what a great physique as well. But even even a better guy. He started uh, his website, Iron Online, and asked me to to be a moderator in the forum. And I, yeah, I, I did that for a while. It just started taking up too much of my time, and I couldn't do it anymore. I met him because he was friends with the guy I bought Hyde Park Gym from. The guy, wow. and Mike Graham, was state chairman of uh, for the NPC in Texas. And he and, and Dave were, were friends. And so uh, one of the years... Well, I think he was at both of them uh, because I I won the overall at the NPC Texas Championships in 1988 and 1990. And I think he was at both shows, and so that's how I met him. You know, we established a friendship. And in fact, uh, his wife Laurie took a picture of me. Let me let me go grab it. It's sitting right here in my office.
0: Sure. Yeah. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. So she she took that picture of me, and uh, she told me it's one of the top three picture she ever took in bodybuilding (laughs) it was a great dude
0: first off how'd you get the nickname texas shredder that's a nickname right
1: uh yeah that that came from natural bodybuilding magazine so when i i went for the uh the 94 world championships that was my first wmbf show i i told steve downs that uh you know i was gonna i was coming in on thursday and so i really didn't have anything to do friday if they wanted me to do a photo shoot i was available And, uh, so, you know, I went, they hooked me up with this photographer and I did a photo shoot, but then, you know, when I didn't make the top 15, I thought, well, nothing's going to come of that. But about six months later, this article comes out and, uh, he gave me the nickname, the Texas shredder. It was the, the, the Dave Gooden, the Texas shredder was the, uh, the title of the article. And it was really funny because, you know, for a while there, you know, I would go into gems, I'd go into a nutrition store. And people would know that I was a Texas Shredder, but they didn't know my name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hilarious, right? But it was
1: a hell of a good nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it suits. After the '94 uh, World Championships, when I went to a four-day split where I worked each body part twice a week, yes, yes. and it it just man, it just killed my joints, and I, that's I just right. Could... And that's when I went to the three-day split, and which uh, you know worked out just like gangbusters.
0: Yes, that's right. Okay, great. Yeah, I think we tapped into everything we could with that anyhow. So we really got a lot out of it. And then we were talking about how with the nutrition, you would typically just track protein in the off season and just be more relaxed with your carbs and your fats for the most part, but you'd stay 12 pounds away from stage weight.
1: Right, right. That's where it we worked. So, you know, people ask me about the nutrition part a lot and it's it's, it's like super duper important. And uh, are you familiar with Dr. Joe Klimczewski? Yes, yeah, so actually, I, I interviewed him for the show. Oh, fantastic! He's yes. a great guy. Uh, yes. Joe and I and Lane Norton, we we pretty much see eye to eye on uh, the nu- nutrition, you know, part of it. Joe and I have done a number of seminars together over the years, and I love to listen to him speak. But you know, he says all the macronutrients important, and you know, you go too low on any one of them, you're doing yourself a disservice. So my contest diet was fairly balanced. I preferred, and and I seem to do better on lower fat. So like I would do like, you know, 42% protein and carbs. So my my carbs and the number of grams of carbs and protein were equal. And then, you know, around, anywhere 15 to 17% fat. That's the plan that worked out best for me that got me in the best shape. And supplements wise, did you, were you big into supplementation at all?
0: Protein powder? (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, back in the mid-80s or the early 80s, mid-80s, when I first got started, the protein powders were so nasty. Uh, mm. They were just unpalatable. You, you had like, you had three choices. You had egg protein, you had milk protein, or you had egg and milk protein.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. Okay.
1: They, they were just disgusting. So I I didn't, you know, early on, I, I didn't. Take much protein powder because, quite honestly, at that time, I preferred to eat my calories rather than drink my calories. Sure, and you know, but then in the nineties, you know, they started coming out with protein powders that were very palatable and protein bars that were palatable as well. And so, you know, I I increased my dependence. And then there were times when you know I was so busy training clients at at the gym that I, I really didn't have time to stop and eat. And so, you know, a lot of times I would be dependent on shaking up a quick protein shake that I could drink while I was training my clients.
0: Right. It became convenient. Yes. And uh, to end off, because I've taken a lot of your time. And again, this is great. I'm sure the listeners are going to love it and love hearing from you because you, is this your first podcast for the most part, at least in the last decade?
1: Yeah. In the last decade. Yes. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. Sure. that's what i
0: thought because i, I, was,
1: I was trying to you, think I, last time I, I i did a podcast was, was with uh john, john hansen yeah i remember i remember that podcast
0: oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah i had him I, we actually uh, we were speaking about it because i interviewed uh, john hansen oh cool so we were talking good. about the podcast yeah yeah good times so what i wanted to end off with because you were talking about this briefly at the beginning and i didn't want to be insensitive to it but obviously you you, you went through a few health uh, concerns, uh, issues, uh, if you will. And you mentioned you were how you're training now. Is there aspects that you are more careful about uh, now than obviously back then with respects to training? Because you mentioned you do full body like two times a week, two, three times a week, and it's yeah. not so intense anymore. That's an important thing for what you're dealing with.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not intense at all. You know, I like to make it a, a little bit challenging, you know, challenging enough where I'm I'm getting a pump from it, but yeah, I can't train hard. Like I said, you know, when I, I train and you know, my shoulders are hurt for a few days and you know, my back and my hip, you know, for you know, same thing. Um, so yeah, I just I, I can't train hard. Yeah, and it's it's a little frustrating, but you know, it is what it is. How old are you now, Dave? Sixty four.
0: 64. Okay. What keeps you wanting to go back to the gym, I guess, at this point? Because obviously it hurts, you're in pain, and uh, but you still manage to go. So, I mean, I think there's something to be said there, but I'd be curious, is it just <laughs> habit, I guess, or?
1: No, it's, I, I just don't want to completely shrivel up.
0: <laughs> okay. So there's a motivating aspect there still.
1: Yeah. It, it's a matter of, uh, you know, keep myself functional. You know, I just don't want to become a little old man. <laughs>
0: Gotcha. So just for really, just for the health benefits at this point.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And making sure that you're avoiding exercises as best as possible that
1: are more irritating than others. Right. I mean, at this point, well, most of what I do, uh, I do on machines. Okay. Gotcha.
0: No failure training anymore.
1: Oh, hell no. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. You miss it? I do. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you're still very inspiring, given that you're still going, you're still training at 64. So that's just again, something to be said about that. Obviously, your history is extremely inspiring and uh, a lot to be a lot of wisdom there that I'm sure the listeners will be, you know, just soaking it all up. And I know I am. And uh, I truly appreciate you, Dave. I'm glad we were able to make this work. I've been bombarding you with messages for the last year because <laughs> I, I you know obviously i spoke with philip ricardo actually who who was also mentioning like yeah dave is a great guy to get on and i was trying to get your email and and then finally i found your instagram because you're not on there as much either so that was that was great that, that we I'm, could come I'm,
1: not, I'm kind of a technology moron <laughs> okay fair <And laughs> that, that, even navigating instagram i just it just so happened I, I, I pushed the right thing and came across your message.
0: <laughs> Amazing, that's luck right there. That was meant to be. Yes, sir. So for the listeners who might have a question about the episode, maybe they want to ask you. I don't know if you're open to that, but is Instagram okay? And maybe if you're, if they're lucky enough, you'll come across their message.
1: Oh well, yeah. You know, the best way for anybody that wants to ask me a question is if they just send me a text message. I don't mind answering questions and, you know, it's kind of fun for me. So my phone number's there.
0: Amazing. That's uh, there. You heard it here, folks. Dave is opening up his private phone number for you. So uh,
1: and text. text. Yeah, because if if somebody calls me and they're not in my contact list, I don't answer it and I don't have voicemail.
0: <laughs> Makes sense. Okay, so there you go. Text message. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you, Dave. And for the listeners, thanks so much for tuning in as always. Make sure to share the episode. Tag us on Instagram. Check out the At Longevity Muscle YouTube channel where we're going to post videos from this episode, past episode, future episode. Subscribe. It helps grow the show. We appreciate you. Dave, any last remarks?
1: No, I, I've, I've just enjoyed chatting with you. I appreciate the... The offer to come on your show
0: oh it's an honor and a privilege so thank you and uh we will keep in touch uh via text message let you know when the episode drops if you want to check it out or share it with okay. some friends or whatnot but absolutely okay thanks dave have a great day take care Kenny. bye-bye bye-bye